Hello, legends. Welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today, we're catching up with Cub member Candice Mizels, the founder and CEO of Candice PR. Candice is a PR queen, and today she shared with us the best how-to PR for SMEs I have ever heard. Uh, it was a fantastic conversation. She's an amazing woman with an amazing story, being born in South Africa, leaving to live in London and head up Disney's PR across multiple European nations. Candace then found herself at this great country, Australia, with her beautiful family of husband and five daughters, of which one is adopted. Candace shares that beautiful story with us and brings lots of awareness to how we can help others in our community. Enjoy the show. Candice, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. You, um, I don't know, do you, I thought you'd come on here and you'd be like an expert at um, talking in public and things like that, but as a PR agent, but are you, uh, do you have much experience doing it or do you normally prepare other people to, to jump on podcasts and, so and, and I have, TV? Yeah, I have done it before, but generally it's, I'm the behind the scenes person coordinating, organizing and prepping others. Good. Well, you you actually you should probably sit down with me and Laura and really work us out on this podcast and give us a bit more structure to to the chaos of uh, to, it's chaos, but it's magic, isn't it, Laura? I don't think I need to from listening to your podcast. <laughs> you do a good job. Well, <laughs> I, I'm excited to have you on, and as you know, PR is something um, that so many business owners uh, want to do, aren't sure about it, don't know what it is, how, how to do it, is it expensive? And and I've got my own theories on PR too, and and you are an expert, so. Um, we're definitely going to dive into PR today, but reading your prep sheet, you're a very interesting person as well. You grew up in South Africa. You've run PR for Disney in multiple countries, uh, and uh, you've got five daughters and, and have actually adopted a daughter. Uh, so four, do- five daughters yeah, with, with five an adopted daughter. Yeah, yeah. And um, so there's just so many things that we want to go through. But why don't we start with? I guess why you got into PR, what, how you got into PR and, and kind of what attracted you to it? Yeah, so as a child um, I always loved magazines and I guess as a teenager back in the day, <laughs> probably giving away my age, but um, there were magazines and there wasn't the, inter- the, the internet and digital PR didn't exist. So I wanted to do business and marketing and I didn't want to do PR. I didn't know what PR was. So I studied a Bachelor of Business and I specialised in marketing. My first job was in marketing and my boss at the time, it was a video game and film distribution company. So I had great contacts um, with the studios in the US and the UK and Europe. And he said to me, we need someone to start the PR department and I'd like you to do it. So Instead of saying, no, I have no idea what I'm doing, I just threw myself into it, researched it, figured it out and absolutely loved it. And it was my calling. So he gave me the biggest blessing back then and I was only 21. So, And what did you like about it? I love people and connections and building authentic connections. So with the media, finding out people's stories um, for that kind of PR was more like the studio stories and the brand stories. So it was more corporate. Um, but it was such an amazing experience and just generally the journalists and building those relationships. And so, so would you describe well, – how would you describe PR? Is it storytelling? You said stories a lot of times. There's some, it's now, stories it's are definitely important. storytelling, especially when it comes to startups and SMEs and scale-ups. Your story is the most powerful weapon that you have. Um, for those brands, it's less storytelling because they Spider Man and um, James Bond. They kind of the brands sell themselves, so it's less about creating brand awareness. Whereas for startups, storytelling does create brand awareness. So it's different for different types. If corporate PR is different to PR for SMEs. Well, I guess kind of like the bigger store or the corporate PR or the bigger companies or like Spider Man or whatever else you said, they're, they're known stories. Therefore, you don't need to tell the story. Whereas exactly. company yeah. like Cub perhaps or, or, or our members or any really small to medium-sized business, yeah. the odds are their story isn't known and therefore, okay, yeah. well, you've got to start from the story. Exactly. And it's all about like a foundation. I call it like building a house pretty much. You have to build the foundation and your story is the foundation. 
But for those bigger brands, it's always a new story. So for Spider-Man, like, there would be a new movie and then we'd have to do a launch. For the new video game, we'd take the press from, at the time, South Africa to the US to the film studios. So there is always a story involved. But yeah, it's it's a newer. So it's what's next? It's, exactly, it's the next better newer and yeah. okay. And so still stories. So. Yeah, yeah. And tell me, so you um, you were born in South Africa. Mm-hmm. What made you leave? So I mean, I could probably think of a few reasons. <laughs> <laughs> you probably could think yeah. of many reasons. Yeah. So my family's still there, and I, I miss them. But I'm used to living away from them now. Um, I wanted to leave. I felt like my dreams were too big for Johannesburg. I came to Australia actually when I was 18 to travel with a friend. Once I finished school, I had some family here, fell in love. I knew that I was going to land up in Australia. And yeah, I just didn't want to live with the anxiety and the crime. I was fortunate. I didn't see anything. Apparently when I was five, I walked in on a a break-in and I did have a lot of anxiety as a child. Like you go to sleep hearing gunshots and not so nice things. And like my mother was like, oh, it's only 20 minutes away in the nearest township, like 20 minutes away. But those were the reasons. Just I didn't want my kids one day to have that kind of anxiety to live like that, the corruption, the crime, the violence. So I always knew that I needed to move somewhere else. And we, we, so where did you go? To Australia? Did you say so I was going to come to Australia, but then I met my husband um, in South Africa. He was sent out um, randomly, actually. A colleague of his had a baby and um, he couldn't travel, so he got sent out. And we met and it was like a whirlwind and we got engaged. And I got a job at Disney because I had all those contacts from the South African publishers. So I went for a long weekend, went for interviews at all the different places that the different publishers. And I chose Disney because I hadn't done much with them. And I thought it would be fun. So, yeah, got the job and pretty much moved six weeks later. And, and you said it's a whirlwind. Was there? How quick did you get engaged? Three months. Wow. That is a whirlwind. Oh, yeah. I, do, I don't recommend it for like my daughters. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we did. We, we, we lived together for a year and then we got married the following year. And, but our, our whole relationship has been a whirlwind. I mean, we've got five daughters and we've immigrated. Well, I've immigrated twice now. And Well, I mean, you could ask, how old were you in that when you got married? Uh, so we got engaged when I was 24, got married at 25, and then I fell pregnant. Unplanned at 26. Wow. So you just went from single to bang, married with a baby. Kind of. <laughs> That's kind all. Of. I mean, it's a recipe for success, clearly, because uh, I assume you're still married. I'm still married. Yeah, we're well, still married. <laughs> you got five daughters. He's a cub member as well. Is he a cub member? Yeah. How come yeah. I haven't met him? Oh, you, I don't know. I'll introduce I haven't seen him a cub. We, we tried to keep our lives separate. Okay. The lockdowns put us like, he used to travel so much for work. So. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and what, yeah, I've always said that to people. I always thought like, I'd be the person that either doesn't get married or if I get married, it'll be bang, like a three, like your style. Pretty what, much. Yeah. So I didn't think that I'd have kids. Like I was never maternal and now I've got five. So yeah. <laughs> How funny is yeah. that? How long have you been a member for now? Yeah, it's been a year, but obviously with the pandemic, but I love it. I love the authentic connections. That's for me the key. It's yeah. about building those slow relationships and really getting to know people. Good. I'm so happy to hear that. And how did you find out about the club? Were you referred in or? No, it's actually a really funny story, like most of my life. Um, I filmed for another club member, Famous Soda Co. I yeah. filmed a segment for Channel 7 Sunrise. I was telling their story and doing their PR and we asked the lovely Tara to use the clubhouse and she arranged that and I saw it and I was like, what is this place? Wow, like-minded people and I think I signed up the next week with Anthony. How funny is that? Yeah. Oh, so you're actually doing PR for a member? Yeah. And, <laughs> that's so good. And Michael Pillen. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh. And Bianca, their beautiful family, Julie, all of the whole family yes. is lovely. So joined, yeah. Oh, excellent. And and so uh, whirlwind marriage, was that, in, um, was that in South Africa or did you move to London at that point? So I'd already moved to London and was working for Disney for a year. Um, I told my mom to just coordinate the, the wedding. <laughs> Pretty much we arrived a week before and got married in South Africa because I felt like I, I needed some kind of closure with the country and to give something to my family there before I left forever. Because I knew I wouldn't go back. Yeah. <laughs> See you guys. <gasps> and and so you're, you're in uh, Disney. Now, what was your role at Disney? So I was associate European PR manager. So my job was strategy. So it was less implementation, what I do now, and more strategy. So coming up with a strategy for 
Europe, so it was the UK, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Nordic regions, and then reporting back to the US. But it was incredible experience because I got to learn different cultures and how different people work. And on ground, there was a PR manager in each of those territories. So I used to give them the strategy and they would implement with their agencies. And so how does one go about creating a PR strategy for a mammoth like Disney? How, how do you actually, what is the strategy? Yeah, you know? so I worked for a division called Disney Interactive Studios, which is the video game division. And I would be given something called a release schedule, which I was familiar with from my previous role. And release schedules are for like books or anything in entertainment pretty much much radio like tv um you you get a schedule of when everything's coming out and whether that's a tv show or a video game or film and and then i would also get a budget like a number for each of the different titles and then i'd work out a plan for all the regions based on all of that and when you say a budget in pr because isn't pr supposed to be obviously if you're paying a pr agent there's funds go there but isn't pr typically you give a journalist a story yep. and then the journalist either decides whether or not that story suits their audience yep. in their line. So what's the budget? So it's different for a corporate because it was such a huge region. Each um, title used to get a budget per region. So it was for their agencies to do the implementation. So whether that was going to be a press trip overseas, you'd need a budget for that, a launch, an event, a party, all those kind of things. Oh, okay. So it's not just the PR itself. It's the actual launch event to get exactly, the journalist there. Exactly. And, to get the and the assets. So as a, a strategist, I needed to come up with the assets. So I'll, I had no clue about kids, like I'd never even held a baby. And I was working on um, Tinkerbell and I rem- I don't know, something happened. Oh, let me think of a quiz. I just thought of a, a quiz about which fairy are you? And it went like really well in all the kids and magazines, tween magazines in those days. Now my 11-year-old will be rolling her eyes if I even said something like that. But yeah, it's those kind of assets, like coming up with creative ideas that I could give the PR teams on the ground to use. So it's essentially... Like they're just giving you, hey, here's the release dates for the movies, the TV shows, everything that we're doing. Here are the release dates. You're responsible for getting the word out there. Here's your budget and execute. Yeah, but there were there were a few of us. So there was a team. Yeah, I had a boss um, who was a great lady. And, yeah, so there was a team. And we were only Disney Interactive Studios. There's so many different divisions. We were in the head office of London. So as you can imagine, there was divisions for everything. Um, the um, – Cruise cruise ships, the Disney cruise ships have a division, um, the theme parks. But the my shops. point, my point is more like it's um, it, it, it's it's kind of the same for any company. For example, let's say Cub was going to do um, uh, a P, or let's say Cub, you were going to do the PR for Cub. Yeah. Essentially, Laura would probably say to you, uh, Candice, uh, we've got our clubhouse, uh, our official media launch for the clubhouse in March. We're doing our official um, uh, app launch also at that same time in March. Uh, in June, we're going to be doing X, Y, and Z. Yep. In August, this yep. is launching and you will create stories around each of those things. And, and perhaps we might say, here's the PR budget, Correct. smaller than Disney, but but here's <laughs> a budget. And, and you can assist – and can you assist with creating the events and doing all that as well? Definitely. So that's more – I call it a PR timeline. And it, because I do more implementation now, I do strategy and implementation, whereas at Disney I didn't. It was just the strategy and the, the on-ground um, territory PR managers and agencies did the implementation and I did the reporting of all of that back into the US because that's where the head office um, – well, the global office is. But for CUB and for SMEs – it's really important to have a timeline and also to tap into any awareness dates. So whether your business is seasonal or if there's going to be um, a mental health awareness day, there's so many awareness days. And if you just head into Google Community Awareness Calendar Australia or whichever country, you'll see all the different awareness days and you come up with angles and stories for those awareness days. What is it? Community awareness days. Yeah, just yeah. in Google, it'll give you, there'll be something every day. Oh, I'm it's sure. so easy for people to do their own PR nowadays because you can contact journalists, you can get their details on Google and you can also, social media is like your best friends. So you can get everything on Google. Oh, well, let's talk about that then. So let's arm people with the ability to execute some great PR. Great. Um, and, and so obviously your special, just before we get into that, you you're now, your passion, what you do, Candice PR, that specializes in uh, SMEs, startups, tech companies, high growth companies, all that type of thing. So I call it startups and scale up. So from having the budget at Disney, when I moved to Australia, I started doing some freelance work for some PR agencies. And I also did some work for the media here in Sydney. And I thought, 
wow, like how do startups and SMEs and scale-ups afford PR? Because I'd seen the budgets that are needed in these multinational companies. So I decided I want to be the person who helps them. And I was going to specialize in startups and scale-ups. And it fuels me every day. I love it. And I make PR affordable and accessible for startups and scale-ups. Okay. And so talk us through the process then. So let's say Cub wants to – how do you actually create the story? Or if someone wanted to do PR themselves, let's mm-hmm. even do it that way. Mm-hmm. So it's real simple. Yeah. How would they do that? How would you come up with your story, find the journalists, yeah. all that type of thing? So What's first, the process? So I'd first educate what is PR. A lot of people have heard the PR and they think it's a buzzword. So PR is actually a part of marketing. In your basic marketing mix, you've got your product, your price, your place, and your promotion. PR is under the promotion element. It goes hand in hand, like think about a circle holding hands with digital marketing, with traditional marketing, with advertising. They're all holding hands and they're all creating brand awareness for you. So it's as important as the other elements of your promotional facet of the marketing mix. So PR is also the way that you communicate with your internal and external stakeholders. What I mean by internal stakeholders is internally your employees, if you have employees, and externally it can be investors, the media, and your customers. So it's all about how you communicate internally and externally. So your key messages are really, really important. So it's important to nut those out before you start PR and also to nut out exactly who your target audience is. And once you've worked out your key messaging, I generally say three to five, no more than three to five. Key three messages. to five. And, and, but what is a key message? Your pillars, um, your unique points of difference, um, your USP or UVP are your key messages. So if I ask you now, Daniel, what are the key messages of CUP? What's your differentiating factors? If you can name three. I don't know. Well, what, CUP, what makes CUP special is that we've revolutionized networking for business owners. And the way that we've done that is that we have a vetted community of, of, of obviously exclusively business owners who fit our culture and um, and have value that they can bring to the existing community. Uh, we've got an industry-leading networking service that um, uh, is designed to ensure every member has the opportunity to build valuable relationships with at least 30 other business owners um, each year at Cub at mm-hmm. the absolute minimum. Uh, we've got uh, clubhouses for our members. Well, our members are actually able to connect with each other through hundreds of annual events um, in our private members' clubhouses and now through our custom-built social media Cub app. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would say all of those are USPs. And, and the cherry on all top of that cake is that unlike other leadership groups and communities, sorry, oh, let's try, fuck, fuck three, let's go with six. Another one is that we represent the modern face of Australian business. We're not that old stuffy leadership community of the yep. past and we're not the lame-ass networking of, of, of the current. Uh, we, rep- we, you know, we have your young business women uh, with their online retailers all the way through to your uh, head of the banks, chairmen of financial, you know, the yep. traditional uh, yep. business person. Um, and then on top of that, what I think is the most special thing about the club, other than the culture of the community, is the fact that we have a team, a networks, a networking team that actually is present for our members, that we've yep. got relationships with our members yep. and we enable them to feel comfortable every engagement, helping them meet the right people. And yes. That. And that's a big point of difference. It's a huge so that's not three, obviously. That's no, but so then I would right. take all of those down and I would help you to make them like sharper and more of a concise list of them. Mm-hmm. So we'd have that. But people can do that themselves. They can just create some bullet points and really nut out, keep everything short and sharp when it comes to PR. So and work out your key messages. The next thing is to work out your target audience and then to work out what media your target audience consumes. So what media does your target audience watch? Are they watching TV? Do they watch breakfast shows? Do they watch the news? Do they watch like ticket TV? Do they watch SCAR business news? Work out exactly what programs they watch. What do they listen to? What radio? What podcast? And how do you work that out? So you work that out as if you're doing it yourself. I, I, I know that obviously because I've been working in this for like – since 2013 in Australia, but if someone is doing it themselves, if you've got your customer avatar, then you have to nut everything out. So you would say a woman in their 30s, are they going to buy a magazine like Australian Women's Weekly or Marie Claire? No, they probably consume their information all online. So you have to work it out based on the demographics that you nut out with your and work out with your customer avatar. Okay, so 
choose your key messages and you can do what I did and basically rattle off every yep. strength or, mm-hmm. or, or the, a combination of unique factors that make up your company and yep. then ideally choose, I'm assuming, the top three. That, three to five. Th- three to five, the yep. most important three to five. The most important three to five and those become like your pillars that you will always refer to. So whenever – is that like when someone asks you a question in the media like, oh, how was your day yesterday? Your response would be – Carb is different because no, not, yeah. not, she's still going to be genuine <laughs> yeah. and authentic, but yeah, kind of. Politicians yes. do it all the time. Yes, I know, pretty um, much. Yeah. <laughs> they literally just answer a different question. Their response doesn't even match yeah. the question that was asked. I don't asked. do it's PR so for funny. politicians though, so yeah. <laughs> um, so you choose your key messages. Uh, you identify the media that you want to go with. So, so second step is working out who your target audience is, which oh, you should already know. Like most businesses already, it's easy for them to say who their ideal client is. So let's say business owners, like Cub, our target audience is business owners. What what are the so, so things then, business owners? So then, because I don't read anything. Okay. Media wise, I have the Australian, Australian on Instagram. So okay. Get, yeah. Well, just let's say that. So yeah. So you'd have to um, either do like market research, ask your customers. Um, you can just survey. There's so many easy ways that you can do things and just find out exactly what media they consume. So for business owners and um, small business owners, there's inside small business. There's Kaki's business builders. There's flying solo. There's obviously the AFR, the Australian. The age in Victoria and SMH here in Sydney, they have an entrepreneur section. The Daily Telegraph, news.com.au love entrepreneurial stories. So you'd work it out based on most likely if you have no clue, I'd say ask your customers. Yeah, I like that. Oh, I think that's good advice. Yeah. Just ask the people. Yeah, exactly. You know, call them up. What do you, what do you read? Yeah, yeah, so some people are in touch with it and they understand the media and they'll know. But, yeah, it, if you ask them or do a survey and offer them some kind of incentive like – for it, it's such valuable. Market research is so valuable. And the other thing is that I know a lot of businesses or a lot of business owners, they're thinking like, mm, does anyone really care about my business? Why would someone Why would someone report on it? Yeah. What like? Yeah, not all businesses are as sexy as Cub. No, so. no, no. <laughs> so. it, it's true. I've had to make dementia sexy, so yeah. <laughs> um, I get it. But for me, the number one thing that business owners have and also especially women, like female business owners, is imposter syndrome and it's so normal. And so as part of a publicist, as part of my job, I've learned that I kind of have to be like a coach and a psychologist and people tell me everything. Whatever they tell me is confidential, but I literally – I find out everything about them because most likely when I'm finding out your story, your personal story and your professional story are merging and you're going to share with me your – challenges, your life story, and and we become really close. And that's why I say authentic relationships. And that's one of the reasons I also joined Carb is because I don't personally like transactional relationships where someone's just trying to sell you something and you trying to sell them something. And so I generally try and build up the person's confidence and show them why the media will be interested in their story. That's interesting. It's kind of like, hey, you are what you've accomplished. She's good enough for the media. People do want to talk about that. Exactly. And it's so important because everyone's story is interesting. Every single person has an interesting story or has elements of an interesting story. So who's going to sit you down? Like everyone's so busy in their day-to-day lives, whether you have a friend or a partner or a husband or wife, no one's going to sit you down and go, oh, your story is interesting because we also get used to each other's stories. But coming with a fresh set of eyes, my job is also to get them over their imposter syndrome. And so you've chosen your media outlets. How do you actually – so how do you contact them? What do you provide them? Okay, so as a PR professional, I have access to software and to updated databases that are literally updated every day because media change jobs a lot. Mm. Especially Um, in the past five years, huh? Oh, so much so. With print declining and even the last 18 months with coronavirus, like a lot of the jobs have become merged, a lot of them. And even um, Bauer Media got sold twice, so it's now our media. But you have to keep um, up to date with all those developments as a PR professional. So I pay for all of that software and then there's people behind the scenes, obviously, who are making those phone calls and finding out who's moved. But for the general person, literally Google and social media. So whether you use LinkedIn. So what? So I would type um, business journalists, the Australian. Yes, but 
more importantly, I tell you to go buy the Australian or look, have a look at the Australian online and get to know the journalist and what they write so that you can see if that's the right fit. So, yes, there would be okay. a business editor and there'd be a business journalist, but there might be someone who specialises in startups, which there are in most publications, or entre- entrepreneurs. So, like SMH and The Age have just got an entrepreneur section now. So, it's really important to, to get to know the media and to find out who the right person is to target because there's nothing worse than targeting someone who – is the wrong person. Yeah, it's like don't, it's not a spray it's not a machine gun approach. It's a sniper. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's targeted and it's about pitching precisely. And obviously we get it wrong. We all human and if you get it wrong and if the media says they're not interested, they're not going to be interested in every single story or angle. You just have to dust yourself off and have perseverance and get up and try a different angle, not the next day, but. No, it's yeah. kind of like sales, I guess, you know, it's like what they always say about, oh, if you do daughter to sales, you sales. know what it's like. Pretty much, yeah. Them. So my husband's in sales, but in IT, but he always tells me it's, it's. I'm selling stories pretty much, even though I'm not getting a an exact payment, like the media's not paying me for the stories, but I'm selling ideas and the stories. Okay, so buy the publications, have a read, see who, we, you know, you can look on Google who they are, but it's probably best to read what they're writing. Yep what their trends are, what they like, how, exactly. how they position them, what, what you know, really understand their thought process. What are they pro and then align your story to whatever they're pro? Um, yeah, well, you can avoid controversial topics with them if you know it's going to like start your relationship on the wrong foot. But it's important just to get to know what they're interested in. So like if they're interested in more tips or op-eds, then you can pitch an op-ed. An op-ed is a opinion piece. It's um, online is generally about 800 words, 600 to 800 words in first person. And those are really popular at the moment. So it just depends. What's it called? An op-ed, opinion, op-ed. like an opinion Opinion piece. editorial. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And it, that's just like me. That's what you emailed me the other day? No, that was for a comment for a journalist. Basically, she put it on um, like a one of the PR software tools that I used. You get call outs and then I saw it and yeah, exactly. Also, so the, the PR agents act, so if I'm a journalist and I want a story, yeah. I put a call out on this software. Yeah. It goes to the PR agents. Yeah. The PR agents then get like, oh, this person wants to hear about networking in Australia and how COVID has affected it. Yeah. And then the agents are like, wait a second, I represent that person or I know that exactly. person, I'm going to go speak to that person. It's like a matchmaker for the story. That's really yeah. cool. I didn't know but that. It's like you know a what's even little more cool? PR network going so on. So what's even more cool is there's a free one that you can join and that everyone else here listening can join. It's called Source Bottle, S O. U R C E bottle. I know my accent is bottle. Bottle. B O T T L. Yep. Source bottle. Yep. Yeah. So you can sign up. I think it's. And you get the push, you get the call outs. You get them in your inbox. So any everyday person can get them in. So you get them in your inbox and you can see if you're an expert and it's a good match, then you can. So I get those still, but. We, we get different ones and through the PR software as well. Like, so you get better ones kind of. Yeah. So like I get higher caliber, but you never know. Sometimes some of the higher caliber ones are like they just need an urgent source or they need an urgent um, case study or photo up. And sometimes like I use my, even my own kids or myself in I'll do them a favor and do a photo up. Just about, it's about giving them like a hand and building that relationship with them. So for anyone listening as well, like if there's a case study that you can be and you can help you building a relationship with the journalist and PR is also all about relationships. And, and okay, let's get in that because that's how I would imagine a lot of it ha- would happen. You know, I'm a PR agent. I'm in the industry. I'm friends with a lot of journalists um, yep. and those journalists may move, they may stay, but they you know, I've got those relationships with them and yep. they're easy for me to call on. Yeah. Um, ha- is it worth as a business owner trying to build those relationships yourself? Is it worth just using obviously a PR agent? So I com- guess it's different stages. Yeah. Someone like me hasn't got the time to be reaching out to people. Yeah, exactly. You like don't. That, but- you don't have time. So it really depends on stages. Um, most of the people contact me because they don't have the time. So that's when I'll come yeah. on board as their publicist. But if you are doing it yourself and you like a micro business and you don't have much budget, then yes, it's really important to build those relationships and okay. to be authentic. I'm using that word again, authentic connections. Because in the end of the day, people can see through things now. So you have to build up that relationship. Mm. And, yeah, it's really important to just be yourself. Well, it's amazing the importance of being yourself. I actually had this conversation with someone the other day um, with one of the one of the guys from Cup. It, he, he's uh, he, he's um, extremely successful in his own right. He was he was he achieved almost the highest level of of sports uh, accomplishment um, in, in in football. And um, yeah, so very successful guy. 
now he's completely switched his career since he joined Cub um, and he's constantly dealing and working with and, 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 you know, growing our community. And so he's speaking to these high-level business owners and he's never had experience doing that. And the first three months, uh, you could see he was just trying to just trying to be who he thought he needed to be or say what he thought. I said, I said, Michael, the pe- people, you, you're the popular kid. Like, you, you know, you, you, you're you lovable. People like you. You're good looking. You, you, you're funny. You're very humble. You're very smart. You've got that. But yeah. I said, just be yourself. And, and, and pe- people buy people. If they trust you, they like you. The product exactly. speaks for itself anyway. It's, it's a no-brainer. So if they like you, they're going to join. And exactly. he actually said to me the other day, he goes, mate, I can't I, – I, honestly, it's I, I really found I'm just being honest. I'm just – you know, I'm telling people about my story, my background in sports yep. and what I'm doing now and why I love it. And yep. and, and the, the, the power of being authentic today more than ever when it was all the bullshit around, exactly. I think it's incredibly powerful. Yeah, and that's why one of the reasons, well, the main reason I actually joined Cup is because um, Anthony told me that that's how you guys work. Yeah, yeah, we kick people like, out if they try to start selling and getting transactional. And because I had obviously tried in the past, I'd been like for a networking breakfast or it just wasn't me. And I was like, oh, these the values align. So that's why I joined, yeah. Yeah, it's one of the unique – I should, probably should have said that in my um, so, top points because it is yeah. a very big thing. A lot of people that join Cub aren't the people that are joining networking because, oh, I need to make a sale. Exactly. Or, I, you know, I want a referral or I need business. It needs an ROI. That's, that's not our member. No. Our member is – no, I want to build real relationships with other accomplished business owners that make me stronger. Exactly, yeah. and it's like-minded, and we all know, yeah. like having your own business is like it's it's yeah. not just running a day-to-day job. It's it's there's so many things that you have to be aware of, you and you're always re- on. So you need people to, who understand you, yeah, who get you relatability. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Often, you know, they they're not relating to their family or their friends, and they just want that. That, that group of people that they relate to in terms exactly, of business. Exactly, who gets like the ups and the downs mm. and the challenges. But it's the authentic factor. Like even members of CUB, if they're, if they're not being themselves in there, um, well, I always tell people we're not a service because a service would guarantee you that you're going to build new relationships. Yeah. If you uh, – we're a platform that enables you to do exactly. so. Exactly. If you're a prick and, you, and, and you're and you not nice and pe- you're not being yourself and yep. you're trying to be transactional, well, no one's going to like you anyway. I exactly. can't make them like you. No, you can't. You know, but exactly. If you're authentic, you're yourself, you're a generous person, you want yeah. to do the right thing, you're there for the right reason. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Well, obviously, you're going, to grow, you're going to grow a strong network. Yeah, so you're just reselling cub to me even though, yeah. <laughs> no. So, yeah. <laughs> no, my, my, but my point was the authenticity side. Oh, so important. Yeah. So the journalists, over the years, people have learned that about me. Me is that um, I'll only take something on if I feel like it has legs. So I'm very honest. If someone's not at the right stage, I'll tell them, oh, work on this or work on that. Or, you need a website or you need a brand. You need a logo. You need to have everything up and running. I can't do PR without a website. And the amount of startups that have come to me in that very early day, I'll have a chat with them. I'll give them advice, but they're not ready for PR. Mm-hmm. So for me, PR and my work isn't about the money. It's about helping people and the connections. And I it really fuels me. I feel like this is my life purpose to help people share their stories and to give startups and scale-ups a voice. I love that. You got the passion for it. Yeah. And and so I just want to get back to that. Sure. The, the timeline that we're going through because I really yes. was enjoying that and I think the listeners are going to love it. So you found the journalist. Yeah. What do you send them? Or, or if let's speak from my perspective. In my perspective, yeah. PR, like mm-hmm. yourself, would be would be sending it. But you know, if you're a listener, that's someone who wants to do it yourself. Yeah. They can also do the same mm-hmm. thing. So, what, what do you actually send to the um, to the journalist? And do you send it directly to the journalist? Yeah. And what is it? And how do you come up with that? So you have to start off with an email. Don't phone them. They're busy. People have like they don't like the phone as much if they don't know you. Years ago it used to be the phone, now it's not. So send them an email, keep the email short and sweet. I generally say 100 to 150 words and really just introduce yourself, introduce the business, say I'm an expert in these areas, give your qualifications if necessary, use bullet points, keep it short and sweet is the main, main thing that I can tell you because they're just going to hit delete otherwise and it's going to start the relationship off on the wrong foot. So make sure it's just short. But, it, but I don't understand. So you're, is that just mm-hmm. an introducing yourself email or is that a, hey, you should speak about this email? So, for example, would I be sending an email saying, uh, hi, I'm Daniel. Uh, I own uh, the Club United business, which is uh, blah, 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 blah. Yep. Um, reach out to me if you need anything from the perspective of business owners in Australia. Or so they're saying, hey, just introducing myself. Yep. Or, and this is why I'm good for that. Or would I – be sending them an email saying, 
Um, Daniel, we're launching a revolutionary new social media no, for business owners. You got to number one. So what, you do number one. Number first. one. Yep. Because you sound otherwise it sounds like you want something from them. So yeah. you just do number one um first if you're doing it yourself. Obviously as a PR person it would be a bit different. I would be doing it on behalf of the client. Yeah, and you already and know them. They know my name, yeah. So or even if they don't know me, they've heard of me or, because I've been doing it for a long time. But yeah, you do number one. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, introduce yourself. Don't start selling. Don't start selling, yeah. please. Don't start selling. No one wants to be sold to. Yes. It's kind yeah. of like a sales pitch. Like you never start with, hey, this is why you should buy the product. You're always going to start with, hey, how you, how's your day? Oh, what school did you go to? Yeah, me too. Oh, exactly. I grew up there too. Oh, exactly. I, love this, I love that team. Exactly. It is like a sales pitch. You're building pitch. rapport. Yeah, it's a sales pitch. And it's like that elevator pitch. And the most important thing is keep it short and sweet. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you come up with the actual story around what you're presenting? So- I have to do like a business analysis and get to know the person's story and the brand story. So that takes some time. Well, sometimes it takes a few days. It just depends on how much time I have the person and then the rapport and the connection. Obviously some people are easy to connect with straight away. Others have to like get to know me before they tell me the whole life story. But um, I come up with angles based on that. So I'll look into what's newsworthy in the media at the moment. So hot topics that are topical that we can what's it's called news jacking is another topic so if there's something for example when the virus first hit that was um it became topical and so if you've got a business that i don't know kills germs or hand sanitizer you jump on that or it could be like something like how businesses are adapting to the digital age exactly it's a networking business supposed to bring people together and this is what they've done to continue in correct and it was all those pivot stories worked really well like pivoting and how everyone adapted those worked really well at the beginning of the pandemic now people are over them but um yeah yeah, it's it's about so it's called newsjacking that's a a new term so you're like jumping on the story and trying to like get something um, from that and so you would email the journalist and say that you're available to talk about x y and z or that your brand um is relevant um because it relates to whatever story they wrote about okay so you're almost placing yourself in the current trend story exactly. in the current narrative exactly. so where do i fit in this current narrative of media exactly so i have to think on each of my clients behalf where do they fit in this story and what's topical that i can like get them on the news for or like I can get them a comment, an expert comment. And I always – so another thing, another tool then that we'll go on to is a press release. So once you've introduced yourself to that journalist, the next thing is to do is to create like a, a backgrounder or a press release. So I still use the term press release. I know some people think like it's really old school, but we're not faxing them and we're not putting them on a, a news wire like in Australia. Overseas, they still do that. In bigger markets, they use a wire service. There are wire services available in Australia. Journalists don't like them in Australia. So that, and I don't even it. know what a wire service is. So it's like wire.com.au or like something like PR wire. Okay. Or like, <laughs> just any public. Yeah, there's all different ones, but overseas they're huge. But press release, it's just a letter that you send in an email. Yeah, so it's a letter that you send in an email. Um, if you are targeting the US market with your product, though, then you can use a wire service there and copy your, and paste your press release in there. And I'm sure that that might be relevant to some listeners if they're going into other markets. But what is a press release? What's the difference between the introduction email and a press release? So a press release is more formal. So you start off with a, a catchy heading and then you follow it up with a subheading. So it's kind of like going back to school, thinking of essay writing. You then have a date, so you would put the date and then whichever city. So I, I usually start off with like Sydney, Australia, 2nd of November 2021 and then I'd go into an introduction of two or three lines. So what's the story about? Get to the crux of the story in two or three lines so that people continue reading it. And then the main body includes your what, your when, your how, your who and your why. So kind of like going back to essay writing. And then you also include a quote in that main body from your spokesperson. So whether that would be yourself or who is the spokesperson or the CEO or the founder, you need to include a quote and then you summarise it in your conclusion and then your contact details. So the most important part of that is the heading and subheading, I'm assuming. Yeah. Because if they read some kick-ass subheading and heading that includes big figures, big names or, or known things that they're probably going to get a bit of buzz by writing. They're going to be like, oh, I probably definitely, should Definitely, definitely. And so you can use like percentages or reports or be a bit controversial. You need to really think about that heading and subheading. And it's really important to read like newspapers or online publications to, so that you can see how headings are, like how they write your headings. So I'm like, oh, that's a good heading. Like it just will inspire me to to have a think. 
So, yeah, it's fun coming it, up. Yeah, well, it's almost an art because it's not just you have to create the press release and, and the subtitle. You're sending this to a person. So you have to adapt your title and subtitle and your press release to that specific individual. And that's why it's so important to work out who you're – which media you're targeting. And often a brand will want to have like a B2B arm and a B2C arm. And those press releases need to be separate because what you're saying to the consumer is completely different to what you're saying to a trade publication. And so the press release is the thing that you'll send after you've – so if if you don't have an introduction, you're sending an introduction email. Hopefully yeah. they respond and you might send something nice back or whatever. And after you've got that relationship, so in your position, basically if you're doing Cubs PR, you're sending press releases. And pitches, both. So What's a pitch? Sorry. <laughs> Oh, that's the next. Just thing. throwing things at me. Sorry. New so, things all so time. your introduction email is similar. It's similar to a pitch because you were putting in a few things like what you're an expert in, what you can talk about. So it's still a pitch, but um, so generally, what I say is you your press release gets attached to the email as an attachment, and then your pitch is the body of the email because you're not going to just send them like the body of your email as your press release. Like that's just a bit impersonal. So you go, hi, how are you doing? Or like I'd ask them something personal about their lives or whether they've been in lockdown, freedom day, just random things, like make an effort. And or I'll tell them about my life, which is sometimes entertaining. And at, at least they know I'm authentic then and they're a bit crazy. They remember me. And then, yeah, put the pitch in. So your pitch would be a summary of the press release. So let's, let's say that again. So the PR tools that I use, once you've introduced yourself, once you have some kind of relationship, or even if you're still trying to build that relationship, the second email would be your press release. And then the pitch is the summary of the press release in 100 to 150 words. In a separate email or the same email? The same email. Okay, it, so it's an email that has a pitch and a summary and a press release. It has an attachment. Attached. And you're pitching other your your product, your service. Yeah. So or you yourself. are selling. That's the part that's saying, you hey, we're worth talking but about you- because this person is an investor, this person is a member. This is how fast we've grown in comparison to the industry. You're selling yourself there, but yeah. you're doing it in a not a salesy way. Exactly what you just did now. That wasn't salesy. That was interesting. I like even want to know who's that person and mm-hmm. what the numbers. It's mm-hmm. interesting. I was talking about you as a member. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. And also you making the the um, subject has to be really sexy and the same like for your press release as well. Like someone once said to me, you make dementia sound sexy. And I was like, oh, cool. So you can use that. It's about making something exciting. Mm. Could you um, could you give like exclusivity? So to, to increase your odds of getting yes. it. Could you say, listen – you are my favourite journalist. Yes. This is my favourite publication. I wouldn't use favourite though because I always tell my kids I don't have a favourite child. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you yeah. are, you, I, I'm a big fan of your work and I would love for you and the AFR to write exactly. about this first. Yep. And um, please let me know if you're interested. If not, that's completely fine. Um, um, but I'd love for you to be first. Yeah, and please and, let me know, but give them a date. Yeah, and because that way, if you use that tactic to hook a mammoth like the AFR, you can then send press releases to all the smaller publications, say AFR just featured this, we think it'd be great for you Correct. as well. And they'll be like, all oh, right, the AFR did it, Correct. I want to do it too. So I do do that. So like I should I, be in PR. I was just thinking that. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, you should be in PR. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, definitely if – you have to give an exclusive if it's a really big story and if you've got like a new survey. So in the past I've done exclusives, for example, an education client of mine did a massive survey and I knew it was going to be really important. So I did like an exclusive that I wanted syndicated. So I went to the News Corp group and I offered it to like an education writer that I know writes nationally and I got that syndicated nationally or I'll give it to the TV want an exclusive. So if you're going to Sunrise Today Show, The Project or Studio 10, they're not all going to – it's not like the old days where they'd all say the same story. You have to give them like an exclusive TV first, it's called. So exclusives are really important, especially with something that's really new and novel and interesting. Yeah, and it's just exclusive in that it's first with you. After that, you can go pitch it to everyone else. Correct. Well. And usually you work out an embargo date with them. So, for example, that story that I did, um, I told them they could have 24 hours to – we, we discussed 24 hours because they, they want to use it obviously to sell their newspapers and to online. They're then So it goes from print to online. So once that period was over, that's when I went out with the press release. Okay. So this is that's basically a great how to do PR. But what should people's mindset be in terms of outcome of PR? Are you going in to be like, ah, oh, I need to make more money? Are you going into I want to build my brand? Are yep. you so what's the purpose of PR? How okay. Does it fit so the purpose the and the power of PR is to increase your brand awareness, to 
boost the profile of your spokesperson or expert. So for example, whether that's your founder or your spokesperson, or whether it's someone who's got a lot of credibility or expertise behind them, whether that's qualifications or experience, it increases your SEO. Some people have hired me just to increase organically increase their SEO to get those backlinks, but that's also not guaranteed. Some publications do it, some don't, and I don't ask. It either happens or it doesn't. It needs to be because it will damage my relationship. Um, increase social media following. So whether that's you want to drive traffic, get new likes, um, or just increase social media following, PR can help with that. But do you tell the journalist, the, like for example, would you say the journalist, we'd love if you'd include our social media because we really are trying to generate more of a social media following. If that's what the client wants, then specifically I would, depending on my relationship with the journalist. If it's a new journalist, then no, I wouldn't start off like that. So it's just about really judging, like putting yourself in the other person's shoes and if someone said that to you, how would you feel? So yeah. I do my best always for my clients and you send everything and even infographics. Like for example, yesterday I sent out um expert op-ed article and the guy really wanted his infographics included, but she didn't include them, even though I asked. So at the end of the day, it's their call. Yeah, so yeah, so those are the different purposes of it. So you yeah. really are trying to because I mean I, for me, I don't look at it and we need to do PR because we haven't done PR since the start. If you look up Carb or Me now. Yeah. I mean, there's a few articles on me that have carried through new ones, but for Cub, for example, if you look up articles, it's literally the first way we were ever describing Cub. I'm 23. I look fat and I've got long – I actually have heaps of hair. Um, um, it, it, it's changed a lot. It's like, evolved, yeah. Yeah, well, even the what, what the company – we didn't even have services probably back then. So um, – it's also important to upkeep your PR. So, exactly. It is important. And yeah. I've seen that. And, s- and I think that what, what like why I did it back then was because I wanted to um, have the – it was a young brand. There was no social proof. There was a young founder. There was no history. I needed uh, reputability. Yeah. And I thought that the your PR would provide or at least assist that. It does. It, it does. I, I, yeah. I agree. And um, – um, and that's what I think the real power of it is. It's when people see others write about you, it's not you writing about you. You've hit the nail on the head. I think you should work in PR, but it's exactly that. It's the credibility and it's about if you place an advert about Cub in to say a full page ad, it will look beautiful and but people know it's an ad. If someone else is writing about you, if a third-party producer or um, journalist is writing or doing a story on you, it automatically boosts your credibility and an ad can't do that. And if it's if they enjoy reading it or hearing it, for example, this isn't maybe PR but it's kind of PR. Like it's happened a few times but this one was the most recent. I did uh, – I was on – Boris's podcast and that's a form of PR I would yeah, argue yeah. and um, heaps of people uh, wrote in after saying oh I listened to the listen to Daniel's episode and Mark's podcast um, loved his story about carbon what you guys do we loved the passion of we you know we love the concept of carbon. they they basically what they're saying was we agree with what you're saying and we enjoyed the story and therefore we wanted to come, it, some of them joined, some of them wanted whatever they wanted. But but it, it's kind of like if, if your listener, if your ideal person reads what you're writing and agrees with it and enjoys enjoys obtaining that information, yeah. that would be the ultimate goal, no? Completely, the ultimate goal. And sometimes people, obviously you want sales, you want leads and traffic to your website, that's another one. But it's about, I kind of think of it as like a seed with brand awareness. You need to constantly like water it. So even if you can't afford a PR agency or you can't do PR like every month, then just a few times a year on those key dates in your timeline and your overall marketing timeline that you are, if you're doing it yourself, that you make sure that you are doing PR for those specific times or you've got a PR consultant or agency on board to help you. So you can have a stop and so for example, you could have I'm going to do PR for um, six months or four months of the year. Yeah. And these are the months where we've got things happening and therefore these yep. are the months where we'd go to a PR agent. So can you do I that? can imagine every single PR agency across Australia and the world swearing at, they're swearing at me now. And <laughs> um, Most agencies won't do that and I understand they've got bigger overheads, they have more staff. So for them you will have to sign up for six to 12 months. Most of them are 12 months. Yes. But I work differently. I do projects and I kind of believe like I need to do what's best for the business and if that means I, you use me on and off, I'm happy for that. Well, I always had a problem with the PR industry at the start. I mean, I love PR and I love the um, the people I've met in it, but I felt that the industry had not yet adapted 
to uh, what other industries have, which is to be extremely customer focused. Because when I was a viewing PR, yeah. what I was being told was you have to pay us $10,000 a month or yep. $5,000 a month yep. and we will uh, put things out to the media. We can't guarantee they're going to write yep. anything. We can't guarantee it's going to happen. Yeah. But I have to guarantee that I have to pay. Correct. So I pay. I may or may not get anything. I don't really know. It just depends on the, you know. Exactly. And so that's what's happened still, except those numbers have gone up. I think agencies are, can go from like, I don't know, 10, 15K is just well, is they, reasonable for an agency. Well, they would have and I be, yeah. because the number of journalists went down, meaning the supply went down yeah. and the demand's still there to be in the publication. So the value of the person that has the relationship with the journalist therefore goes up. Exactly. But my problem with PR agencies that I had is um, for me it was an ethical problem because when I was doing the freelance work for them, I saw that someone would just come out of uni and they would literally get thrown into agency life, which is stressful. There's no like work life balance. And so I would come in as a, as a director or to close the deal. I would sell you, oh, this is what I'm going to do for your business. And then as soon as I signed you, I hand you over to a junior person. And for me, that didn't sit well, both for the junior person and for the client, because they're getting thrown into something they have no clue about. They're not getting mentored and experienced. And maybe there are agencies that are different, but this is just for me why. There definitely are some. Yeah, of course. And also for the ones that they are charging top dollar. Yeah, they, they probably have the best relationship or they could have great relationships, long-term relationships with a lot of the publications. And if I'm a big business, I don't care that much about that money. Exactly. I just want to make sure I'm getting in the thing. Well, exactly. they're going to pay it. So there is definitely exactly. a spot for them as and well. And their it brands doesn't... have been around for like 40, 50 years and they're yeah. global. So there's definitely yeah. for corporates and stuff. I don't do corporate work, so definitely a bigger PR agency mm. And you will be getting like two or three people on your account then. And you need that for if you've a huge multi. Yeah. Like and that's the other thing. Exactly. Yeah. But but for, for a business like um, uh, with a revenue of, I don't know, a smaller business up to, you know, to 20 million or, yeah. or even 50 million, that, that kind of medium sized market, yeah. mm-hmm. you probably don't need to be spending 150 grand, 200 grand a year on, on just the, you know, trying to get the thing. You probably can find a good PR agent who, uh, is almost tailored towards that part of the market. Yeah. So I still do retain the work if I think it's going to be beneficial for the client. So like if there's an expert or a spokesperson and they literally can get coverage every month, some months are better than others. Some months I'll get like a hundred pieces of coverage for them and other months maybe we'll get two or three. And there is definitely that discrepancy and the client understands PR, but I always say it's best to start off with project work to get a feel for the publicist who you're working for if you're hiring someone or that the small agency or boutique type agency. And then at least you don't have that like 200K commitment. Yeah, because it is a commitment. It is. It's a thing like- it, it, Especially if you, because I completely agree with the fact that you cannot guarantee PR, PR you cannot guarantee coverage. You can do your best as a PR person, but you can't guarantee it. And I recently had a call with a, a startup, a really a micro startup, and she just couldn't get that I, I couldn't guarantee it. And it's in my terms and conditions, but I would be like the most unethical person if I said, oh, I promise you, like, like what would I be doing? Would I be bribing the journalist behind the scene? Like you can't guarantee PR. No, yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and But it's not even the PR agent's fault. That's the way the industry works. And, and it's probably the way the industry should work because – the journalists also need to have their power and maintain control of their content and maintain yes. the view of the publication. Yes. So it's got to be a best fit, best serve correct, system. Correct. And that's not a guarantee. But I just always thought that there was, and, and I'm sure it has changed the industry a bit. I, I probably went to the top when I did it too. I, I have a bad habit of that. But but it's not um, a bad habit. I always say go to the top as well. well it's good as to the learn. Yeah, it's nice to yeah. learn. It's nice to say, okay, what does it look like up here? How do they serve yeah. people? It's like that when, when we did TV commercials for Cub, we spent a fortune on TV commercials. And, and um, I mean, it didn't really work. I mean, I don't know. It could, you could argue it worked a little bit for us, but it definitely wasn't worth the money. Yeah. But that wasn't just the only reason we did it. The other reason I did was I wanted to see, okay, how does this actually work? How does, yeah, yeah. if you want to spend bulk money with a, a news corp or with another organisation, yeah. What, what, what's the process? How do they yeah. sell it? How do yeah. they, what, what do you get? What's the outreach from the TV when there's an ad on and, and you know, people see it? Do yeah. people respect the brand more? And yeah, So it all has its It's good place. to learn. Yeah, yes. it's also good to learn. So, so as I said earlier, like I think that with marketing and with advertising, it's all, um, it's, it all goes hand in hand. So it's important not to leave one of the elements of marketing out. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, 
Well, I think the PR industry is a great industry to be in at the moment. I think that with a changing market, um, it, it creates time for for, for a, a new wave, a, a change for new relationships, new media entities start a, a appearing and growing. And yeah. you can be, in, you know, for example, you can't uh, have a, or it's, it's very hard to have an extremely long-term relationship with the AFR or the Australian because they've been there for so long and there's people that have had those relationships for so long. But there's many other people, uh, publications, digital publications, great publications that are, are coming out now and it's probably a good time in PR to be able to build, start start with, yeah, start with these yeah. new it's, relationships. It's always good to, to see who's new out there and to see how they go and it's important to. It is. Yeah. Because yeah, you don't know, you could back a winner. Like as a PR agent, some young kid could start a, you know, a publication. It, yeah, you might think, mm, I don't know if that's going to go well and next yeah. minute it's boss hunting. Oh, it's definitely know? happened <laughs> over the years. It's definitely happened, yeah. yeah. No, I, I just really enjoy it. And and I really enjoy the con- – I reckon being a PR agent would be a fun role. Do you know what I mean? It's generally fun. The only times that it's not fun is when the media tell you they pass on a story that you've been working on and that's going to come for anyone, whether you do it yourself yeah. or whether you've got someone who's had many years' experience. Yeah. And it's just about dusting yourself off and like changing the angle. And as the – I guess as the business owner that's employing the PR agent, I mean, I guess you just need to be a little bit understanding that, you know, it's not the PR agent that passed it, it's the journalist that passed yeah, it and therefore yeah. you've got to have a little bit of empathy towards yeah, your, PR, exactly. your PR representative. Yeah. So it's important to educate your clients about yeah. PR as well before you take them on. Yeah, and it's just like any business, it's just ensuring that they have the right um, expectations. Yeah, and ensuring yeah. that you have the right tools to do your job. You yeah. need the right assets to be yeah. able to create that art press release and like, yeah. yeah. I love it. Well, we, Laura keeps waving a finger at me, so we're going to have to wrap up very soon. But um, um, I wanted to ask a few final questions. And, sure. uh, I mean, we spoke a lot about PR, which is definitely what I wanted. But I wanted also people to maybe get to know you a little bit better as well for the members and listeners. And one of the things I wanted to ask you and perhaps even bring awareness to is, um, is um, the fact that um, you, you've adopted a, a daughter mm-hmm. um, and just the pro, you know, how that came to be, how that, you, I mean, you already had four. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what, what was the, how, how did that decision come and what was that process like and mm-hmm. just the journey of adopting um, a, a child that needs a family? Yep. So I went to, I, was, I gave a keynote speech on PR at a women's business conference in Melbourne. And I met another woman there who shared her story with me. And that's why it's really powerful to share your story. And she landed up saving my daughter's life by sharing her story. And she was a foster carer. She didn't have any of her own biological kids. She was a CEO. Well, she is still a CEO of a, a startup. Um, well, it's not a startup anymore. It would be, it, it's a growing business in in Adelaide. And she shared her story and she was fostering five kids at the time. I think she's got three with her now. And I was like, wow, I I didn't know the numbers were so bad in Australia. So I came back to New South Wales and I started researching the numbers and I I don't know the exact number at the moment. I think it's around 45,000 kids need homes. So I said to my husband, we have to do something about this. Like we already have four kids, um, but we we can't just, you know, not look into it. And lucky he was on the same page. And we also thought it would teach our daughters um, to be compassionate and to give back. So we signed up to become foster carers. We went through the course and, um, yeah, within a few months we got a phone call about a little girl. She was a baby. We'd said no to babies and we did have help. I had an amazing nanny who helped me with both the kids because I was still working. And, yeah, so we she came to us short-term care. We tried to get her back to her birth family but, um, unfortunately, um, we couldn't get them Was back on track. It wasn't an option. So then the judge gave her final orders, which meant she would stay with us till she's 18. So we we're like, if she's going to be with us till she's 18, we want to adopt her. So she's like no different to the other kids. So she's been with us since birth. I didn't actually have a pregnancy with her, but besides from that, she's exactly the same. So oh my God. we adopted her at the Supreme Court in May. Wow, or recently? Yeah, only took this a year. while. It took How a, long has it been? It took a while, and our case was pretty straightforward. So she is three. So oh, not that long. Yeah, so it's. Still, I thought she was like eighteen. No, I'm not that old. <laughs> I just realised <laughs> what I just said. So <laughs> yeah, no, my oldest is eleven, and yeah, and her sisters have all just she she's just the sweetest little child, and yeah, she's our youngest. So, oh wow, that's yeah. that's an absolutely incredible story, and the reason I wanted to ask it was obviously I read in your prep sheet, but I just think it's a. Um, um, 
I just think it's an incredible thing to do. And I think that you're right. In Australia, you don't see, it's not like America when you think of where there's all these needy people. And in Australia, you don't, it's not as prevalent in your face. It's not something you think about on a daily basis. But, you know, the option is there. And and Australia is lucky to be a very fortunate country in that uh, a large portion of our population are, are, um, um, uh, have homes and have safe uh, yeah, lives yeah. Uh, and have the ability to uh, adopt yeah, um, yeah. You know, a, a child in need. And I just think yeah. that's something really nice to bring. And even just foster, like fostering is so – it's selfless because it's about the – the child, it's not about you, it's what's best for the child. So we fostered to adopt. So it's different. Like with adoption, I think it is a lot harder and longer, but fostering to adopt makes it a little bit easier. Um, obviously, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. The process was hard. It was very emotionally draining, but it's open adoption. So we do still have a relationship with her birth family. The law in Australia is open adoption. Okay. Well, I think that's a good story. And it doesn't even have to be adoption. Like there's many ways to get involved with assisting Need, yeah, n- needed children. So, like, you could, we have rescue pets as well. That's probably like I draw the line. Or you can have friends over if you've got a single friend or friends who, like, you know, going through a hard time. Go for a cup of coffee with them. If old people are like you want to connect with old people, you can speak to a local aged care or dementia care home. <laughs> you're just listing all the nice things you can do in this world. Or oh, all that I can't. You want to think of more, but yeah, everyone can find something to do. That's pretty much in our community. No, you're you're an incredible person. You've brought tremendous value to our listeners today. You bring tremendous value to our community as Thank a member. You. We're extremely proud and, and grateful to have you in the community. Um, and we're very grateful to have all the amazing journalists we have in this country uh, as well who are spreading wonderful stories with the help of uh, PR agents like yourself. Um, and I think the more journalists um, celebrate the uh, the amazing businesses and the entrepreneurs that are coming from this country, which is a tremendous amount. Mm. Uh, we've got, we've got some of the, I believe we have, we could have the the best business kind the, the best entrepreneurs and business people in the world uh, soon. And I think the more journalists um, promote them and, and the, the positives that business brings to society, um, I think the, the, the faster that will accelerate. So a big thank you to all the journalists out there as well. And finally, if you want to find out more about Candace, get in touch with her on uh, on LinkedIn, all sorts of things, you can go to cub.club forward slash podcast uh, and you will find a bunch of information there, including uh, book recommendations, greatest lessons. What, what's your website? CandacePR.com. CandacePR.com. And if you want to catch up with Cub on social media, you can go to at Club of United Business on Instagram and stay in touch with Cub. Um, Candace, thank you once again. Thank you so much. It's been great. To the listeners, I hope you enjoyed the show.